0: Rick Stevens, financial advisor with FRS Financial Group, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. For more detailed information regarding any of the topics discussed on today's show, please call 719-500-8700. This is Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Here's your host, Rick Stevens.
1: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. I am Rick Stevens and this is your show. We are in a studio today as always with Andrew Rogers. Andrew, how are we doing today? Doing fantastic, Rick. How about yourself? Uh, It's just another beautiful day in somebody's neighborhood. Folks, we also have a special guest with us in the studio today. Dave Manst is here. Dave, good morning. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? Uh, it's uh, you know, if I were any finer, it would probably be illegal. So, uh, folks, Dave is a uh, father of three. He's had a varied career, mostly in the nonprofit world from everything from having been a church-planting pastor to working for different nonprofits. Uh, He's currently with a nonprofit called Operation Mobilization. Did I get that right, Dave? You did get it right. Awesome. Well, Well, Dave, welcome to the show. Now, I've got to offer a legal disclaimer that LPL and FRS Financial do not endorse the guests appearing on Money Matters. But, Dave, we're glad that you're here with us today regardless. Thank you. Awesome. Before we jump into this, and, and folks, today we're going to be talking about that concept of legacy and, and leaving a legacy not only behind, but also what a legacy is, how we actually get that started as we are uh, really still around. But Dave, I'd love if you could tell the listeners a little bit about what Operation Mobilization is and, and really what they do around the world.
2: Yeah, Operation Mobilization is known as OM to many lay people. Uh, OM is an international nonprofit that's advancing kind of good in the world through God's power and uh, strength. And we're seeing big things go on in Ukraine right now. We raised over a million dollars. Pakistan had tremendous flooding. We've been on the front lines there helping out with Pakistan flooding too. Uh, We're in communities, 60 different countries Uh, Doing fantastic work for God's sake uh, in each one of those countries, but uh, we're trying to advance the gospel around the world.
1: Awesome, awesome! I love it, Um, guys. I'm going to start today Mm -hmm. with a quiz. Now, now there is no failure in this, right? I'm not grading these things. I've done this with folks for years, all right? And it's a legacy quiz. Are you Are you guys ready?
2: I'm going to say A right now. You're close.
1: (laughs) You're close. So it goes like this, and, and folks, you guys at home can kind of play along uh, as well here. I want you to think about, and this is going to be the hard one, your name. Right? Do, do, do we all know our own names these days? I mean, Dave, as Bears fans, sometimes we don't remember them exactly perfectly. I agree. But, uh, but, but I think I got my name down uh, in here. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're counting that as Generation 1. All right, that's the first generation we're starting with. Now, we're going to go back a generation, and I want you to think of the name of either of your parents, right? So, back one generation. We got the parent name. We're good there. Maybe. How about one more, a grandparent? Doesn't matter, mom's side, dad's side, grandma, grandpa, going back one more generation. Are we we still okay? Mm Mm-hmm uh so so maybe cut kind of, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna quiz you on the names and by the way even if i did you could just throw out whatever because i don't know who your grandparents are dave um what about one more can you go back to a great grandparent mm-hmm. that's about the spot i lose between 50 and 70 percent of folks most folks mm-hmm. can get themselves and the parent and the grandparent but we get to a great-grandparent, and somewhere between half and, and three-quarters of folks are like, not really. Um, and if we go back even further to a great-great-grandparent, that's when I lose 90-plus percent of folks. And the folks that do know those names are typically folks that have done some sort of family tree research in there. Yeah. or
0: I mean, I tend to know him, but I think my family just started maybe on the young side. So, I mean, I was lucky enough to grow up with my great grandparents for a long part of my childhood.
1: That's, that, that is awesome. You know, I actually had a, uh, a young man in class years ago who could go back five generations. You know, if you count yourself, he went back five mm. generations and I said, Bill, that doesn't count because you're Bill Hawk the fifth.
2: he couldn't come
1: up with somebody who wasn't bill in in the family there uh for me obviously i know myself that's rick uh my dad dennis my grandpa stanley uh my great grandpa was grant which is actually where my oldest is named after so he better be able to go back an extra (laughs) generation beyond that great grandparent in there uh, and, and beyond that, um, I only know these names for two reasons. One of which is I've had family that's done that family tree research. And the other one is that apparently in my family, they weren't very creative in uh, naming children. So Grant's dad was named Wesley, and his middle name was John. Uh, Wesley John's dad was John Wesley. John Wesley Stevens's dad was ross john whose dad was john ross so not terribly creative wow. in my family with the uh, the namings because typically apparently up to that point the firstborn son was named mostly after the father typically with a middle name and sometimes that middle name to the first name and dad's first name to the middle so not terribly creative in the Stevens family uh, through there. I will Although I will say this, my, my great-grandpa Grant, mm-hmm. his claim to fame in the family, is he's the one that changed the spelling of the last name. He, he and his brothers changed it from sp- being spelled with a PH to being spelled with a V because everybody kept spelling it wrong with a V, and they went, we might as well just change it. Do you know how often my, to- uh, my name gets misspelled with a PH now? Oh, I, I could attest to that. <laughs> yes, Mr. Rogers, with yeah. or without a D, right? Without. Not like that <laughs> hack over in Wisconsin. Ah, very true. Very true. So so one of those things that I, that I oftentimes kind of work through here is that concept of legacy, right? Because for the most part, if we can go back about four generations and beyond that, not as much, well, depending on when those folks have passed away... The name that we have is typically going to be forgotten within a hundred years, which, in the grand scheme of uh, the 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 planet, is a very short time frame at this point. So, if our name is not necessarily going to be remembered, guys, what are we doing for a legacy? I mean, I I, I don't want to be remembered like uh, you know Billy the Kid or Bonnie and Clyde. I'm I'm not looking for the infamous. Uh, or, or as the Three Amigos would have called that, infamous. Uh, I'm not looking for that sort of a, a, a name, meaning more than famous. But, but I'm looking at legacy. So I'm going to ask you guys this and just throw it out there, right? When you think about your legacies, what are some of those things that you go, you know what, when I'm not here, this is what I want to have remembered about me. And don't everybody talk at the same time.
2: <laughs> yeah, Rick, that's a tough one because uh, I'm in the long line of uh, mans that might end with me. I'm not sure there's going to be a boy Mance uh, that joins the clan after me. Uh, and I've thought about that once in a while, what the difference is going to be. And I feel like I you know, I feel like there's an eternal legacy, hopefully I'm leaving to my kids, that, you you know, there's God's a part of life, church is a part of life, and spiritual matters are important. And I don't know how long that lasts. You know, I hope it lasts three, four, five, six generations. But when I think of legacy, when you talk about legacy of family, uh, that's kind of character. Like, where'd you come from? Where's your heartbeat? What what makes you up? Um, Which differs a little bit from a if you want to call a financial or a cause legacy, mm-hmm. did you contribute to cancer research? Did you, you know, discover penicillin? You, you know, kind of. Those are different legacies, but um, yeah, I'd like to think that I've kind of put a stake in the ground for the, the name of Christ, and uh, that there's going to be some transformation and people living for eternal purposes in my
1: wake. Yeah, one of the, uh, one of the things I, I heard this years ago, and I'm like, oh, this would be great, mm-hmm. right? Because in the obituary part, uh, you know, folks oftentimes write about something that, that the deceased has done over their lifetime. They said, why not have a little bit of fun with it, right? Rick Stevens, born in Illinois, he discovered Portugal and invented pineapple juice. Just have a little fun with something like that a time or two. Andrew, you got any kind of fun stuff like that you're leaving as a legacy? Well, you know, it's a little bit
0: different knowing that, you know, I have a job where I kind of throw myself out into the public for hours and hours a day on the radio. But it's really, you know, kind of very similar to what, you know, Dave said, you know, being able to have, you know, my kids and their kids kind of look back as far as, you know, hey, he set our family up on a right course, you know, being able to look back at, you know, like my grandpa and great grandfather, you know, what they did to, you know, kind of set up our family and, you know, kind of how they had, you know, put that stake in the ground and really, you know, kind of directed that family. I'm hoping I can, you know, keep it on the same course.
1: Yeah. And and as dads, and we're going to talk about this in, in the next session, uh, that is really talking about what we're passing on to our kids, right? Mm-hmm. But one of those things with with this legacy concept, and, and, and we'll get to these in a couple of those later segments as well, is we can be leaving this legacy before we get to that will or trust or, or final instructions really coming out. Um, you know, we, we talked several weeks ago with, uh, with Evan from Steiner Zendejas about what some of that legacy type stuff looks like right and 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 dave we we talked with evan about all kinds of different things and i know one of these pieces is is near and dear to your heart we talked about the concept of special needs trusts uh Mm. in in that as well yeah uh, with a with a special needs child i know that's something that you and and your wife have thought about and and have worked on over the years to to make sure that when you guys are gone that your, your, your oldest is going to be taken care of. Uh, she's going yep. to be, be set up for that. But there are things we can do in that meantime uh, to to really get this uh, sort of in place in terms of, you know, not just, as you said, Dave, not just that financial, not just that material side, but really how we pour ourselves out into the lives of, of our kids and, and in others as well.
2: Yeah, I think there's a difference, Rick, as you're talking. I'm just thinking about making a legacy, which involves not only preparing for your departure, uh, but leaving a legacy is when you go. You know, making a legacy is the character by which you live and the planning by which you made for when you leave this earth. Um, And leaving a legacy is what you've left to whomever. But uh, the Special Needs Trust is near and dear to our heart. I know uh, it's a very legal document, Uh, We had to uh, get a lawyer involved and pay way too much money to get it done. But uh, there's all kinds of stuff that goes into it. But uh, it's important, I think, to be in charge of those things, too.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, you know, one of those things. And and again, we've talked with Evan uh, multiple different times about this sort of thing. But it's in creating those legal documents where you really get to make your wishes known, right? It's where um, you can be a little crazy, like uh, my wife and I have been. Although I'm sure she will point the finger at me with uh, the different hoops that are created inside of there, uh, and and you know we put those hoops in place for very particular reasons, uh, typically following the the Dave Ramsey mindset uh, of that, if you will, of you know what I'm I'm going to do these things because I believe in that uh, uh, that that Proverbs 13:22 concept of a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. But I also want to make sure that my children's children have an inheritance that, that their parents didn't squander. So there there are some rules that, that kind of go along with that. When we come back, because we are up against that first break in the show, we're going to talk about dads. Because we've got three dads in here with, with children of varying ages. And we're going to talk a little bit about what it looks like to sort of pass some of those legacies on to our kids while we're hanging out with them. So, folks, stick around. We will be right back.
3: Does stock market volatility have you wondering which way is up? Do the talking heads and doomsayers have you wondering if this really is the end? If you want straight answers from an advisor who isn't just trying to sell you something, call FRS Financial Group at 719 500 8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment today. And don't forget to tune in to Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday mornings at 10 right here on KRDO. Products and services offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.
1: Folks, welcome back to Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group. Rick Stevens here in studio as always with Andrew Rogers. Today's guest, Dave Manst. And uh, guys, I was visiting a website the other day called All Pro Dad. Okay, and uh, you know, as we are all a bunch of dads, and, and I know that we have some uh, football stuff near and dear to our hearts. Uh, I think there are some some pieces here through All Pro Dad that we can that we can kind of look at and 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 really kind of kind of take to heart here. Some of the folks that are uh, part of All Pro Dad; those are guys like Mike Singletary. Tony Dungy, uh, for those folks who are thinking about the more recent NFL, Benjamin Watson is part of All Pro Dad. Uh, but, but I do have to say this, Andrew. I looked through all the different folks that, that are part of All Pro Dad. There were no speakers from the Lions that uh, were listed no. in there. A couple of Bears, right? You had Mike Singletary, Leslie Frazier was in there, yeah. but, but no Lions. I'm, That's I'm right. sorry,
0: man. I mean, you can't win
1: them all. That's true. Normally we don't. But, but as long as you beat Green Bay, that's the part that matters, right? Oh,
0: and we, we beat the other team, too.
1: Well, yeah, you, you beat yeah, that yeah. team that uh, plays at uh, Soldier Field. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and... <sighs>
2: lucky victory.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Total fluke. Total fluke. Anyway, we're looking at some of these pieces this segment about passing on that legacy to our kids. And oftentimes, you know, we might think about what is that legacy we want to pass on, but, but quite frankly, the more important piece is going to be, how do we do it?
0: Yeah. And I think that's probably something, you know, with me having kids probably at the youngest stage of the three of us here, um, three years and seven months is, I'm probably just looking at, you know, just kind of day to day how I interact with them and, you know, kind of having that foundation laid more than anything else.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, the uh so 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 Dave, your kids are mostly grown and yep. and out of the house yep. uh for the most part. Mine are both grown and semi out of the house as well as all the way down through uh through my youngest who's uh, who's 8. So so you got the high end of the spectrum, Dave. Andrew's got the low end and I've got everybody else in the middle. There you go. Um, so, and, and Andrew, you you bring up a good point there, right? When they are young, the biggest thing you can do with the kids and, and, you know, I know in the, uh, in, in the show from last week, we talked about Christmas shopping and gift giving and that sort of thing. One of the biggest gifts that we can give to our kids is that gift of time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's that time where, uh, we're, we're going to spend, You know, whether it's specific time with them on a daily basis, but it's also time uh, as they're growing up and they're getting into uh, sports or the arts. It's going and actually being there when they're doing the the game, the performance, the whatever. Right, Dave? Yeah, you know, it's interesting,
2: Rick, you mentioned that. I was just thinking the other day about a little investment of time we put in when we were parents, young parents, young kids. Put the kids to bed. We'd sit down and watch some TV and everything, and the kids were probably near sleeping. Went and got them up in their PJs, took them to Wendy's for chocolate frosties. They thought we were crazy. You know, they didn't know what in the world we were doing, but it was one of the most wonderful memories. And the kids all remembered. it. I can't believe mom and dad, you you know, why would you do that? Why, <laughs> How would you make that happen? But just those intentional acts of investing in your kids' lives, uh, not always the easiest, and sometimes you need ideas like that. Andrew, you mm-hmm. can steal that idea if you want. Uh, but yes, for sure, you've got to invest that time.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those things where the, the intentionality of it all is ultimately what it comes down to. It, it doesn't matter if we're going out at 10 o'clock for a frosty. It it doesn't matter if we decided, you know what, we're getting up this morning and we're going to take a road trip up to Woodland Park, but we're going to drive Mount Hermon Road. To go around and, and up mm-hmm. and over instead of you know going the normal way up the pass I would borrow um, your truck for that uh yeah I'm definitely definitely doing that in the truck uh, or the suburban not uh, not the minivan at all uh. yeah it's definitely
0: one of those more fun drives but you know even as you guys said just something you know simple and again you know I'm obviously at that very very young stage but just kind of carving out that 20 minutes or something just to sit down and not be the guy constantly just running around saying no all the time and just being the silly goofy one I think is what's, you know, already kind of showing some benefit.
2: And I think Rick there's been a there's been a transformation already in society. You know, for for a long, long time that legacy was seen as a legacy of provision. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna provide for my family, provide for my kids and, you know, may or may not be present in that uh, today that tide has turned. I mean, you can see there's a growth at stay-at-home dads. Uh, you know, there's there's a growth of uh, participation in leagues and soccer and basketball and whatever you know, dads go and all that stuff. So I think it's a good trend going on in society right now, where we're seeing dads really involved. It
1: uh, it, it truly is, and um, I will I will also say this because Andrew, you've got probably the craziest schedule of the three of us mm-hmm. in here. Right. Because you are you're in the KRDO studios uh, at uh, zero dark 30 uh, pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, So you get home at, you know, the middle of the afternoon, totally wiped out where where many of us might be looking at that as a three, four, five, six o'clock when we would get home and, and, and be a little bit wiped out. You get home and your kids are are just up and ready for all the fun of the day.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, kind of staying at home and then doing the whole daycare pickup. And, you know, some nights it does become kind of that white knuckle just to hang on until their bedtime and my ensuing bedtime. (laughs)
1: You know, one of the the fun things about that, though, uh, and one of those, again, ways uh, of creating and sort of sharing that legacy is when we get to the bedtime part of the day— It's a wonderful time to uh, share some stories, right? Share some stories of when we were growing up, uh, or at least that are acceptable to share with our kids that that we wouldn't mind them emulating. Uh, I'm sure there are uh, plenty of stories that I would like to have forgotten of me as a child that I don't need to share because my kids will figure out how to do some of that stuff anyway on their own. Uh, I don't need to be giving them any suggestions as someone who who may or may not have made a very... uh, we just call it a very large firecracker. Uh, years ago, that that included an empty caulking tube and black powder. Sounds creative. Uh, it was creative, <laughs> and we created a very large hole in the yard when we did that. Oh my goodness! Um, my my cousin reminded me that uh, I should not tell that story in front of his boys. Yeah, because they're just like their dad. They'll do it. Figure out how to do it anyway. Um, so being able to share some of those uh, fun stories with, uh, with with your kids out there is great. One of the other things, and I know as a, as a dad, I am not uh, what you would typically think of as a writer, but keeping a journal, right? Something that uh, that our kids or grandkids or great grandkids at some point in time could look back on and go, "Oh, this was what was going on in great grandpa's life on this day." Uh, and, and this time, and and you know, I've got, or my wife has, uh, an aunt who kept diaries that way, and we've gone back through to read about stuff going on in small towns, southern Illinois, back in the early 1900s, because we have mm-hmm. her diaries still. So I don't know if I don't know if life in the uh, 21st century will be as cool as it was back then with horses and buggies, and you know, a few trips here and there uh, to to different far out exotic places like Washington DC um, cuz you know travel's a little easier now but but keeping a journal that's that's not a uh, a bad thing for those for those uh future generations to look back on yeah and
2: you know what's fun rick is that uh, my wife or season big uh, creative memories and you build these little pages of a, of, a, of a season of time or an event and you mm-hmm. put these fun pictures and my kids love those, and we've cheapened photos so much today. They're all on our phone. There's none in an album, and I just wonder what this next generation is going to have because we don't have the photo albums we used to have of old where you looked at pictures and, who's that? Who's that? Oh, my goodness. I can't believe you, you know. It's just
1: a different day and age. And, and my kids will look at the pictures of me from when I was younger and say, you had hair? Dad, you had <laughs> hair. Yes, yes, I once had hair, and uh, Grant and Riley. Guess what you have to look forward to later in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, one of those one of those other kind of pieces in here as we're kind of getting that legacy concept out. Part of it is just kind of talking with our kids, and and obviously it's got to be age appropriate, but but it's talking to our kids about what we want that legacy to look like, um, and, and even as adults. <laughs> It's also talking with our parents about what they want their legacy to look like. You know, the uh, the uh, the concept, and, and Dave, I know this will not be a surprise to you, but the concept of honoring your father and mother, that, that doesn't come with an expiration date on it. Um, so that's, that's some of the stuff that, that we've talked about in here with Evan as well, right? That idea of, of understanding what's in the will or, or how the trust is set up. To make sure that we're taking care of things, the, the financial side of life, the way mom and dad wanted these things taken care of. Uh, but, but that's also you know, what we need to talk to our kids about. My kids know that I will not have a, a typical quote-unquote funeral with sad people there. Uh, I will be having a roast. I need a lot of funny stories told about me. Doesn't matter how embarrassing it is, because I'm not, you know, there to be embarrassed at that point in time. And uh, everybody who shows up at my memorial service, they will be going to a baseball game on me, because I think one of the greatest things ever would just to have been somebody else in the crowd that day when up there on the scoreboard it says "Welcome Rick Stevens Memorial," <laughs> and the, and forty thousand people go. There's a funeral today. How in the world is that crazy?
2: <laughs> yeah you still gonna invite Mike Dicka there for you Well
1: uh, as long as Dick is not singing the seventh <laughs> inning stretch I think we'll be uh, we'll, we'll be okay for that um, but but it's that it's having that vision right and, and obviously we have to have that vision of our legacy first before we can talk to our kids and eventually grandkids uh, about it. You know, it's interesting,
2: Rick, because uh, my in-laws, my wife's parents, are very transparent about here's the will, here's how things are going to go down. Uh, My folks, not so much. And it's a little bit uh, frustrating. You know, Mm -hmm. you kind of go, what's going to happen? How are things going to go down? You you know, you guys aren't getting any younger. And uh, I do think that's important to have some clarity and some communication to, okay, here's here's what's going to go on when I move on.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because we've had that conversation with my parents, my siblings and I have, and don't get a lot of clarity in there, but we also we get the clarity of they really don't have a whole lot of we want X, Y, and Z to happen. They're, they're okay with, with whatever we have decided to do at that point in time. Uh, but there is one request, one request that my father made, that uh, will happen, and that's when he passes, Ruger, which is my brother's oldest son, gets my dad's Ruger. And when he said that, I said, i tell you what, I'll be right back. i got to go stop at a courthouse because my children are now named Smith & Wesson, yeah. uh, Remington, yeah. Browning. Uh, meet your, meet, meet your granddaughter, Sig Sauer, you know, and
0: don't forget your other granddaughter, Beretta.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, by the way, we also named the dog Glock. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that, that idea, right. Of, of being able to, to go out to, to really talk about that vision, get the folks, uh, in the family who are going to be affected by it on board. Um, and preferably because Andrew, you've got the best opportunity mm-hmm. here Doing it at the youngest age possible. So tell that seven-month-old every day what you expect out of him.
0: I try to. <laughs> he doesn't listen, does he? No. Three-year-old doesn't listen that much either.
1: Uh, sometimes the 22-year-old doesn't listen that much. <laughs> uh, well, folks, we are up against that next break in the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about that idea of Giving as part of your legacy so stick around we will be right back
3: are you worried about what's been going on in the markets and how it has affected your portfolio maybe you need a financial checkup if you have questions about the health of your financial future call frs financial group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary checkup And remember to tune into CARDIO on Saturdays at 9 a.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. to catch Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. Products and services offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA, SIPC. Folks, thanks for sticking with
1: us through that break. Rick Stevens here with you on Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. Today we've been talking about legacy. And, you know, this is the time of the year, guys, where... We tend to think more about giving, right? And sometimes it's that uh, that that end of the year. Um, I've got to make my IRS uh, commitment so I don't get taxed on it. But it's also that time of the year where a lot of folks think more about giving because that's what you think of in the Thanksgiving to Christmas time of the year. the The mind comes back to that thankfulness sort of thing and and the giving of gifts. And and you know, one of the things that I tell folks quite consistently, is there always three things that you can do with a dollar that comes into your world, mm-hmm. right? You can give it, you can save it, or you can spend it. And I've had somebody go, oh, you could burn it. I said, well, that's kind of like spending it, right? You don't have it available anymore and you truly didn't give it to somebody else to use and you didn't save it for yourself for later. So if you were to just set it on fire, that's that's kind of like spending it and well, by the way, there are plenty of non-flammable chemicals by the way inside of money because money's a little toxic uh, in, in terms of the stuff that's that's in there uh, but that's a that's a totally totally different show about how uh, to properly dispose of uh, money uh, I used to take kids to the uh, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank in uh, Chicago all the time and my kids would walk out of there uh, most days with anywhere from one to ten thousand dollars. Uh, but it was some assembly required because the way that the Federal Reserve gets rid of money is they shred it. Mm. <laughs> um, so rather than shredding our dollars to, to give them away, um, oftentimes we want to think about that idea of, of charitable giving, right? There, there's the planned uh, where I'm doing this you know, X number of times a year on a regular basis. But there's also the unplanned giving, right, that, that happens at times. It's, it's the, uh, uh, the the folks that are standing outside of the Walmart or the Target with the Salvation Army ringing the bell. And he went, you know, I'm just, I am going to drop, you know, this change or that dollar in in the bucket. Um, there, there are all sorts of different pieces, but but giving... And Dave, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say as a guy who, who works with a nonprofit that is purely based on giving, um, that intentional side of giving it really is an important piece, right?
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We see uh, from year to year to year anywhere between 30 to 40% of charitable giving happens between Thanksgiving and year-end. And traditionally, it was linked to tax benefits, mm-hmm. so you could claim all that stuff. Today, the standard deduction is so high, very few people toy with that giving level of giving more than twenty-four grand away. Maybe that includes their interest on their home or something. Uh, but uh, still, there's a giving spirit, and people want to give. So uh, we'll see it in, in a couple different ways with, with many people of big hearts. Uh, one is you pre-program your giving. Be it to a church or to a nonprofit, you give them 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month, 500 bucks a month. Um, But then there are those opportunities. My wife and I got invited to a fundraiser Monday night, and our hearts were really moved. Uh, And we thought, this seems like a good operation. Uh, It seems like something that we'd like to invest in. So uh, we're going to make a gift. And most of those opportunities come through uh, some venue like your church, like your friends, uh, like walking through Walmart, seeing the Salvation Army kettle. Uh, and they're good that shouldn't be all you do but uh it's a good thing to keep on top of too
1: yeah and and giving is not just the um the uh what should i say the the legal concept if you will right it doesn't always just have to be sending money through a 501 c3 right For, but it's it, it's really it's going okay is there a need out here somewhere in the community that that i can help take care of yeah, it doesn't even have to
0: be, you know, like you mentioned, through some organized group, but it could just be, you know, you've got a neighbor who happens to be a single mom who could use some additional help for the holiday season or, you know, somebody who's maybe a little bit older and their family's not able to make it in and being able to give back to someone that way as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you've got those single moms in the neighborhood, I can, I can guarantee you <laughs> one of the greatest gifts that you could uh, bestow on them is be a babysitter. Because I know a lot of single moms that would love just time for themselves out mm-hmm. there.
2: Yeah, we used to provide. I remember when I started a couple churches, we used to do a oil change day and uh, just buy a bunch of oil and uh, single moms, widows, bring them in, change up their oil for them because it's a pain to go to Jiffy Lube and they want to sell you windshield wipers too for 100 bucks and, and blinker fluid. And blinker fluid, yeah, for <laughs> sure. But there has been a change in uh, kind of giving trends that we've noticed. Uh, people used to be very loyal, loyal to organizations. So you gave to compassion. Uh, with the millennial generation, they're faithful to causes. Mm. So they're saying, well, there's starving kids in the world. Uh, where can I hook on to something that works with those starving kids? They're not so faithful to a particular organization that does that, but they're cause-driven, and they're saying, "Where can I make the best, you know, dent for my buck in that cause?"
1: Yeah, that's uh, years ago uh, when I was uh, teaching back in uh, in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, the school that I was at, the kids had a had a, a big heart, in particular for a specific village in sub-Saharan Africa, mm-hmm. and over the course of about five years. Oh. Those kids and, and and it was not a huge school by any stretch. I think the uh, largest population we had a school at one point was about 400 kids, but over about five years they raised somewhere in a ballpark of about 250 thousand dollars wow. for this village. They they built a school over there. They then paid the uh, the the tuition, um, and, and and the stuff for bought all the supplies. Uh, bought the uniforms for all the kids in the village to be able to go to the school. They built a wing on a hospital. You know, it's it's they had the heart for that cause for that very particular spot. Right, right. Um, and and while yes, they did these things through a specific organization. Uh, this was this was actually in uh, Zambia, where where one of the kids had actually been. An MK growing up, a missionary kid, so her heart for that part of the world, for that uh, that village in particular, got basically on everybody yep. else's uh, uh, mindset, if you will, and and really led to led to some pretty cool things because it was about the cause, not about the organization in there. You know, one of the one of the other things here uh, that that we can kind of look at and think about, and, and Dave, you can you can maybe speak to this a little bit uh, from that nonprofit world of things. Uh, there there are certain things that that you know when I'm working with clients, there, there are certain um, uh, trying to figure out the best way to to describe them. There there are certain ways that folks can give without giving, if that makes sense, right? And that's that concept of things like a charitable remainder trust. You know, again, it's another legal document. It gets funded with X dollars. Part of the trust goes to uh, pay, you know, however many years out it is. But what is left is then given to a specific sort of a charity in there. And that's that's just one way folks can set up even that legacy piece.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it, it's become very creative today. Not only charitable remainder trusts, but also IRAs have that capacity to be mm-hmm. kind of given to a nonprofit. Maybe one of the most popular trends going on right now is what's called a donor advised fund. And with a donor advised fund, what people try and tap into is about ninety percent of their wealth, which is not in cash. When you think about your your giving, often you think about just that ten percent you have in your checking account or maybe right, a savings right. account. But you possibly have stocks, you may have some real estate holdings, you might have cryptocurrency or something like that. All of those assets can be put in a donor-advised fund, and then that donor-advised fund doles them out to whatever organizations you want them to send it out to. So it's really a neat opportunity it's called a DAF, donor-advised fund.
1: Yeah, those, uh, the donor-advised funds um, are, are very nice in that you can put, yeah, basically any investment you've got can go into that sort of thing. And as the donor, I mean, this is, uh, again, it's that high level, this is how we named these sort of things. As the donor, you get to advise on how those funds are actually invested.
2: Yeah, technically you are uh, kind of master of your own foundation, and uh, you're technically, at the end of the day, writing a grant as the director of your foundation to organizations for all practical purposes, it's a little bit of a nonprofit savings account where you're gonna, you know, cut checks out of there for different organizations you're a part of. But for sure, you can do that.
1: Yep, and that's uh, you know that's one of the things that that uh, I know a number of folks who have you you talk about that foundation. They've set up uh, a separate five hundred one c three foundation. To be able to do that sort of stuff and and not just as a donor advised fund, but because, you know, they've got a heart for kids going to school to major in X, Y, Z. So we're going to use this foundation to set up a scholarship program where, you know, you can you can go and hey, if I'm going to major in that, I'm going to, uh, you know, sort of write this essay, go through this process to see if I can win that scholarship sort of a thing.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the things to remember with the donor advised fund is you're putting monies in it that are seen as charitable contributions when you put them in there. So your charitable contribution is not when you cut the check to the organization as a grant. It's when you put the money in there. And it's important to note too, Rick, that there are some places that uh, do donor advised funds that will send grants to causes that may not be too Christlike. And, uh, you know, we're always weary of that, depending on a person's interest in everything. You may not want to, to be with an organization that helps fund, you know, Planned Parenthood or something like that. So there are many different organizations that provide these donor-advised funds. It's worth researching them before you dive in.
0: Yeah, and with that, how can you know, like, when you're making these decisions, you know, what's some other good resources to make sure that your legacy is going to something you would want it to be used with, and especially... With that mindset you mentioned earlier about so many more people in this younger generation being more cause-driven versus organizationally driven.
2: I'm not sure what a good answer is, Andrew. Uh, I think that's a great question. I think it uh, really comes down to individual passions and interest and where you want to invest your energies and resources and uh, make that difference, make that legacy, I think it's uh, kind of spelling out a new age for nonprofits. I think for the ne- you know in the next decade or so, we're going to see nonprofits uh, kind of morph into something a little different than what mm-hmm. they've been traditionally based on uh, that type of giving towards causes more than just the organization.
1: Yeah, I would, uh, I would, I would kind of throw out my uh, my Gen X mentality here of research it, research it, research it, right? Look it up. Um, as that prototypical Gen Xer, I'm the guy that, uh, you know, researches six months before I buy the vehicle. Um, I'm the guy that takes that long time to go through and, and make sure that uh, all of the uh, I's are dotted and the T's are crossed rather than the I's being crossed and the T's dotted. So I would, I would say, you know, it's that find out, right? If you're thinking about that donor advised fund sort of concept, go, go find out about the different places that actually have that uh, as an option for you that that will take care of those things and see right what what are the causes right the, that they're there because again if it's your legacy you really want it aligned with what you want your legacy to to be i mean that's maybe i'm crazy in that but i would nope, think you're right on. that uh, you know if uh, if my legacy were going to be you know i wanted a one of my uh, children to uh, at one you know one day invest in a uh, professional sports team uh, I would probably hate to have to spell out don't let it be the Packers just just gonna throw that out there
0: yeah you don't want your legacy to become one of those shares
1: right right exactly well folks we are up against that final break in today's show when we come back we're going to continue talking about giving but we're going to talk about it from that past tense if you will so stick around we be right back
3: money affects each of us in different ways Sometimes it's a source of stress and fear. Sometimes it's a source of comfort and security. Whatever your perspective, it's always good to get a second set of eyes on your finances to help serve as a guide. If you are looking for that guidance, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday mornings at 10. Products and services offered through LPL Financial. Remember FINRA, SIPC. Well, folks, thanks for sticking around through
1: that break. Rick Stevens here with Andrew Rogers and Dave Manst. We are talking today on Money Matters about that concept of legacy. And guys, we've talked a little bit about you know working that legacy through your kids, talking about different things with them. Uh, we've talked a little bit here about the the whole giving concept as we are still around, but there's another place, and, and, and Dave, maybe you can speak to this a little <laughs> bit uh, as well. There's also a place where after folks have passed, they've either named charities in a will or they've given specific instructions for a trust uh, to, to do some charitable giving how often is that the case with with nonprofits? Kind of versus folks giving during their actual lifetime.
2: Yeah, we're seeing a trend change here too, Rick. As well, um, you know, people used to be all about leaving you know their wealth to the kids, and what we're finding today is that's not always the best scenario. So more and more folks today are choosing to you know dedicate. Their funds or make planned gifts to different organizations, five hundred one c threes nonprofits, and again that falls along the lines of passions and interest. I talked to uh, someone the other day who who said they're they're all about cancer research, so they're gonna you know make a planned gift. They're gonna leave a couple million dollars to the American Cancer Society or something like that. So, uh, but yeah, we're definitely seeing a shift today. Uh, the 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 days of just dumping down all your funds to your your son or your grandson or or something like that, and then buying a tanning bed and a Tesla, you know, are, <laughs> Being are maybe
1: trust fund baby,
2: maybe coming to a close a little bit. But uh, yeah, we're seeing that a lot.
1: You know one of the one of the things that I oftentimes see with uh, with clients, and again, I, I see more and more folks this way are folks who never had kids, who never got married. And yet they know they need to name somebody as a a beneficiary to to different things in there as well. But the the good news is we don't have to be a Rockefeller. We don't have to be a Carnegie to, to actually leave in our last wishes, if you will, you know multi millions of dollars uh, organizations will still take the uh, quote unquote small pile uh, of yeah, money yeah right?
2: i just heard the uh, stat the other day the average planned gift left by a person when they they move on to the next life is 30 to 50000 dollars that's average now there's there's some that are in the millions but there's a few that are just 5 grand or 10 grand and all of it is greatly
1: appreciated yeah that's uh, and and i've got to i've got to think that when you're when you're looking at this from the from the nonprofit world that there's while well, there's probably a large portion that comes in every year through the planned giving right through that I'm still alive and I'm giving you know on hopefully a regular basis but maybe it's the the once a year gift there's there's probably a portion that comes in to nonprofits every year that that, you know, I, I have no idea what the percentage is. Maybe you do. I'm thinking it's maybe five or ten percent, maybe at the most, that comes in because somebody has passed and has named an organization in in their will or in their trust.
2: Yeah, it's one of the uh, mixed emotion days in a nonprofit when you get that check that so and so moved on and passed on, but they left us, you know, a bunch of money. You know, it, it, you're kind of we wish they were still with us, but they've left us something. I don't know the stats right offhand, but I will say. It doesn't make up the budget, the bulk of the budget for most nonprofits, um, but it's worth quite a bit. Uh, just to give you a quick feel at OM, you know, we have something around 280 people who have said, we want to put you in our will. Uh, we haven't defined at what level, but say they each just gave that 50 grand. That's $14 million. That,
1: I, that might cover that part might, of a budget. <laughs> yeah,
2: That might cover a little bit for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, and, and And I'm going to go out you know, on a limb here and say that places like OM uh, where, where I don't, you may or may not be as large internationally as some other places. Um, but that's still that, that planned giving, even if it is at the average level, really does make an impact.
2: Yeah, for sure it does. You know, in the in the nonprofit world, you have a lot of you know local, regional nonprofits, and a big gift is three, five thousand, or something like that. Uh, you know, you start getting more on the national level, international level, and you see big gifts being ten or fifteen. Uh, but for a plan gift to come in at fifty, that's no small move. That that's a kind of good chunk of change.
1: Yeah, and and quite frankly, knowing a lot of people in the nonprofit world. The, the budgets are usually pretty slim. They, they're very streamlined. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about folks that aren't typically, uh, you know, if you were to look at the highest compensated people on the planet, uh, folks working at and running the nonprofits, not typically up there at the top of that list.
2: No, they say you're leaving money on the table. Uh, the truth of the matter is a lot of nonprofits today of the larger venue are are kind of taking on corporate America and paying close to similar wages uh, for similar work, uh, so that's true. But uh, a lot of mom and pop nonprofits or regional nonprofits, yeah, you're you're doing it a lot for the love of the game more than you're doing it to make a dime.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's obviously where not only that consistent uh, monthly, quarterly, or, or even annual giving comes in, but but really that's that's where. Especially those after I have passed gifts can can really come in handy for places like that.
2: Yeah, for sure. When you think about the average local nonprofit, you know, here in Colorado Springs, we have quite a few nonprofits, and many of them are, you know, hundred two thousand two hundred thousand dollar nonprofits. Someone leaves them, you know, hundred grand in their will. That's a whole year of operating expenses. Uh, so, it makes a difference.
1: Yeah, you know, I wanna I wanna kind of shift a little bit here, and, and I wanna talk a little bit about that that psychological concept of giving and and why giving is important um dave i'm sure you have talked more than <laughs> once uh probably on a sunday morning uh from right, up in front right. of a captive audience right about why why giving matters but but not just from that so we can keep the lights on perspective what what really is that um inside of us that that you have seen over the years, whether that's in your own life, in in the lives of folks you have run into, that that really just just starts to starts to shine when giving happens.
2: Yeah, you know it's interesting. Uh, those of acquainted, you know, familiar with the Bible and everything, uh, talk about God gave so much to us, we should be giving back. And of course that's true, uh, but I often think of the Dead Sea uh, and. I've never been there, but I heard you can float on it pretty easy and it's all mineral rich and everything. And part of that's because it, a lot of things feed it, but it doesn't feed anything else. It's a dead body of water because nothing's leaving it. And our giving life can be that way too. You know, we bring in funds, we bring in money, we bring in, you know, goodness in life. And if we don't send it out, we can become like the Dead Sea. We just become dead inside and kind of angry and upset. And they've done research and studies, and they found that, you know, folks that give and are generous are are more happy and more well-adjusted. You know, folks that hoard their wealth are often misers, and, uh, you know, they're unhappy and aggravated with life all the time. So we're built to give. uh, And the question is how much? You know, where do you start and what do you do? So, you know, when it comes to the biblical thought, a lot of folks, you know, battle whether the 10% tithe is just Old Testament or whether it comes to the New Testament. I often go to the gal that uh, gave the you know, that last mite, and uh, Jesus said, She gave more than the rest of you, more than the rest of them. And I thought, How'd she? Wait, she barely gave anything, Uh, but she gave sacrificially. And in America, all of us have a chance to give sacrificially, and for most of us, I don't think sacrificially is one or two or even five percent. Maybe it's ten percent, maybe it's fifteen, maybe it's twenty. Uh, but I think the standard of giving is uh, when you give from uh, you know kind of your need and that that stuff that uh, you know really is deep down inside, rather than just that superficial twenty bucks to so and so and twenty bucks here and twenty bucks there. So the real difference gets made when you make that sacrificial. Uh, Donation.
1: Yeah, I've actually got a uh, a friend of mine who uh, you know I was was talking to uh, back in back in August about these sorts of things, and and he said, you know, he had uh, one of his mentors said or gave him the challenge rather to live a one third life. He's like, what in the world is that? And he said, you do what you've got going on. You figure out how to live on a third of what you make or what you've got you take the next third and that's what you're going to leave for the family mm. and the last third is what you give away. And he said it took me about 10 years after having first heard that but I've digested it, I've worked at it and I'm finally there. Wow. And and that's one of those pieces where you know it just it's one of those things that you look at from the outside and go, "Wow, maybe one of these days I can get to that spot where With my stuff, quote-unquote, I can figure out how to live on a third of what I've got, figure out a third of what I've got that I will pass through that family legacy, and a third of it I'm going to end up legacy somewhere, somehow else.
2: Yeah, you know, Letourneau University is based on the life of Jay Letourneau, who was the first one to tip the scale with tithing, and he gave away 90%, lived on 10%. Now, granted, he was a multimillionaire, but, uh, you know, still the principle was he kind of gave a new standard for giving that many people hadn't thought of. And I think for a lot of Americans, something like that may not be totally possible, but possibly more than we think we can do.
1: Yeah. And and that's typically when when I'm talking with folks and and we do talk about that, the three things, right? You can do with the dollar, Mm -hmm. give it, save it, spend it, (laughs) talk about doing it in that order. Because, uh, in fact, I, I used this uh, illustration with, uh, with your daughter just the other day uh, yeah. uh, over yep. lunch with you guys, which was we are like plants, right? We grow to the size of our container. So we get a little container, we get a little plant. We put a little bigger container, it gets to be a bigger plant. We do the same thing with money available to spend, right? We, if we do spending first, we are very unlikely to give and save. But when we do the give and the save first... We can figure out how to live on whatever percentage that is the, that we've got left there at the end.
2: yeah a lot of us and again I spend time pastoring a couple church plants and it's called off the top you know you, you take your your money that comes in off the top you take you, you know your giving and savings rather than doing it with the leftovers because there's no leftovers usually if you do it that way
1: and and you know if it's if it's like stuff usually happens at my house nobody likes leftovers anyway. Sometimes they're good. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's that concept of, you know, it's got to be that first set. It's got to be, you know, the first up and, the you know, first and best. And it's like that for a reason.
1: Yep. Yep, absolutely. Well, well, Dave, if, if folks want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about uh, OM, what would they need to do to do that? Yeah, we've got a
2: real complex website. Uh, it's at om.org. Ooh, that'll be tough to remember. <laughs> so om.org, you can definitely uh, be a part of what we do uh, coming on there. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me locally, I'm at dave.manst at om.org. And I'd uh, be happy to talk to anyone and sit down for coffee or, you know, explain more of what we do at any time with uh, someone that has interest.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you for joining us on, uh, on today's money matters folks. If you've got questions, that, that you would like to have answered whether it's about the concept of giving and legacy uh, or if it's you know you just didn't remember what the website was for OM uh, <laughs> feel free to, uh, to to get in touch you can give me a call at 719-500-8700 email me Stevens at frsfinancialgroup.com go to the website frsfinancialgroup.com go to that contact tab in the top right corner Send us that question, send us that comment, that thing you would like to hear about on a future show. We would love to hear from you. Folks, that's all the time we've got this week. We will be back next week, continuing to talk about your money because your money matters. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.